All right, we join Jim in welcoming you this morning to free worship. So good to see you. Take just a few moments. Take just a few moments and speak to somebody before you sit down. Go ahead and speak. Uh, speak to somebody maybe you don't know around you, but take a few moments and speak uh, to somebody. Let's fellowship just for a few moments this morning. may be seated all over the house. Thank you, praise team. Yeah, doesn't that feel good? Feels better. Maybe you hadn't spoken to anybody this morning and now you've been spoken to. If you know me, we're normally in a series each week, but for the next three weeks, I'm going to kind of lay off. I think I'm going to lay off. I'm going to lay off uh, the series style sermons. Now, it might not mean, no, I didn't say lay out, I said lay off. <laughs> I'm going to lay off uh, the series and just, you know, seek the Lord and see what he'd have week for week. And it's a little bit different if you don't stand in a pulpit and you don't understand, but it's almost like when you study, you got to connect the dots, right, from the last week. And so nothing against series. I absolutely love them, but I just feel like I'm going to take a break uh, maybe until sometime in in December. But as I was saying about this week, and I'm normally not a, a, a um, holiday-style preacher, but I was thinking about Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving's been on my heart probably because I'm ready to eat some more Thanksgiving, right? Is everybody ready for Thanksgiving? Yeah, a little turkey and dressing and all that, all, all, all that good stuff that we like to, like to eat. And by the way, if you missed Wednesday night, I'm telling you, we had a good time Wednesday night. You missed uh, Thanksgiving with your church fam. I'm telling you, we had a good time um, Wednesday night. Had a lot of food. It was spot on. We got some good, I mean, we got a lot of young people. We got some good cooks in the house. So we appreciate each one of you. The fellowship was good. It was just a, a great night. But I was thinking about Thanksgiving. And over this next week, it is estimated that 55 million people are going to travel at least 50 miles to share Thanksgiving. Now, I want you to see this because watch this. There are 132.7 million families in the United States. Now, get this, that is third, watch that, that's third behind India, who has 299.7 million family units, who is behind China, watch this, who has 522.68 million families. Well, let me just cut to the chase. God loves families. Listen, God loves families. Families. God is about the family unit. Matter of fact, he was the one that promised Abraham. He said, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars that are in the sky. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to count the stars, but I promise you, you can't count that high. <laughs> Listen, I promise you, you can't keep up with the stars to even count that high. And so, honestly, we're entering into a, a season. And maybe when I say the word family or I say the word Thanksgiving, for some of you, you get excited. For others, maybe it drains you. Or maybe when I say the word Thanksgiving and I say getting together with, with family, you think, oh, man, I'm looking forward to it, while others of you may be dreading it. Now, for some of you may not realize that, but when I just use the word family, there's mixed emotions in this room. People have uh, different feelings when you just say, I can say the word brother. And some, of, oh, some of you already thought something. Or mother or dad or sister or cousin or, or any of them. And as I say them, it might make you feel 
some kind of way. But what I want you to understand today, and I believe what God's having me to speak to us about today, is how much God adores the family unit. Listen, whether you are a single mom or you're now in a blended family, God loves. God loves family. And there's two things that every family is going to have in common. I want you to see this. Watch this. Number one, you didn't get to pick your family. And number two, all families are dysfunctional. Now, y'all don't shoot the preacher. Just let me deliver the words. Before you get yourself all up in a wad, I'm going to explain each one of those for just a few minutes. You didn't get to pick your family. Listen, you didn't get to read over a bunch of resumes and decide which family you would want to be born into or, or which level of society you got to be born into. None of us got to choose our family. Guess what? God chose your family. Ooh, whether you like them or you don't, guess what? God chose them for you. So that's what happened when we, listen, when we first came out of the womb and opened our eyes like, surprise, this is your family. No wonder babies come into the world screaming and crying. I'm just saying. I'm not, <laughs> this is my daddy. But it is what it is. Guess what? They're yours. They're your family. Now, let me get to my second point because some of you are still looking at me cross-eyed, but all families are dysfunctional. You say, well, Pastor C, I don't agree with you. Listen, you're saying, Pastor C, my, my family's been A1 since day one. Okay. But guess what? I'll still tell you there's no perfect family, and all families are dysfunctional, and the sooner you go on and admit it, probably the better off you'll be in your family time, the better off you'll have uh, with your family. And the reason being is the original family. Listen, the original family was dysfunctional. Y'all don't forget, we're from the Adams family. I'm just saying. <laughs> they're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. Okay. But I'm just saying, my kids said, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> we're all from Adam. Listen, but their disobedience made all of us dysfunctional. But it wasn't God's original intent. Because, see, what God wanted for us is not exactly where we even are at this moment. It's different than the way God started it, started it out. And you've got to understand the concept of family didn't come from man. It came from God. Listen, God's idea, it was God's idea to create the family unit. And ever since God created the first family, Satan has been trying to destroy it. Listen, ever since God created the first family, Satan has been trying to redefine it. Can I get a witness in the house? Listen, I'm telling you, ever since God created the first family, Satan has been trying to distort it. And you know why? Because it was not his idea. No, because it was, it was God's idea. And so I want to look at the first family real quick, and I'm not talking about the Bidens. I want to look at the first family in Genesis chapter number 1. Verse number 26, just real quick, just want to show you something here. The Bible says, and God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God loves the family. Listen, God, God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, I've shared this with you before, but I love it because God says, let us. Who was God talking to? 
Listen, from the very beginning, it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all talking. I can prove it to you by Scripture, but I don't have time today. And God says this. He looked at the original family, which was He, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and He says, let's make more like, let's make more like us. So if you really look at it, God was the first family. And then He said, let's make them to be just like us. And that's why he looked at Adam because he created Adam first and he looked at him and said, you know, it's not good that man should be alone. It's not good that Adam should be all by himself. I mean, Adam was having a good time. We won't think about it, but there was a time span that Adam was running around and naming animals and doing all kind of stuff. And then God says, wait a minute, we got to get Adam to represent the family. And so you all know the story. He puts Adam to sleep. He makes woman. And then I want you to watch this. Watch this. And then he told them, I want you to duplicate what I have he said, I want you to duplicate what I have, what I have made. And so God was like, I'm thinking, looking at God, you know, I got a wild imagination. I'm thinking, God's like, man, let's blow this family thing up big, right? I want you to duplicate it throughout the entire earth. And so that's why I gave you the family numbers at the very beginning because, listen, God did exactly what he said he was going to do all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible. He said, let's duplicate. I want to make them just like us. I want to make them in our image. I want them to be like our family union, and I, unit, and I want it to go throughout all of the earth. Look to your neighbor and tell them you're in God's image. Maybe somebody needs to hear that one. Yeah, you are. You're in God's image. Now watch this. And then Satan shows up. You know the story, but Satan shows up. But watch this. He didn't show up until a woman was made. Wait a minute. Satan realized that God was trying to duplicate himself throughout the earth. Satan realized that God was trying to duplicate his image, that Satan realized that God was trying to duplicate the family unit all throughout the earth. I don't want you to miss this. Satan didn't show up until the family unit had showed up. Ah, and then when they began to duplicate and, and he realized that the image of God was going to go throughout the entire earth. Oh, I could preach just right there. I'm just telling you, all alone. Because listen, you better believe me, Satan knows when to show. <laughs> listen, I'm telling you, it wasn't by accident. It wasn't just some random moment that, that, he, that he showed up. He knew exactly what he was doing. And listen, you better understand, in your life, it's not random moments that he shows up. Come on, I'm going to help somebody. While I'm here this morning, no, 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 no. When he's on the attack, you better believe it is calculated. Listen, when he is on the attack, you better believe it is precise and it is timed. In other words, it may just be because God is getting ready to do something. Listen, God was fixing to blow this family unit thing up big, and Satan said, no, nah, I better step in. Well, guess what? Satan may be wreaking havoc on your family right now. You just hang on because God may just be trying to do something big in your life, and you better believe Satan has timed it. He has got it precise, and that's why he has slithered into your life. He's mad at the family unit. Y'all better hear this. Satan is mad. <laughs> At the family unit. And no wonder families are dysfunctional. <laughs> right? It's because Satan don't like it. He doesn't like the family. No wonder families have issues and, and there's families that are on the out. Listen, there are families that are under attack and Satan has been fighting them since day one. Listen, don't play because he's slick. Y'all better hear me. Listen, don't play because he is slick. The Bible calls him cunning. Listen, you better believe it. You can mess around with him if you want to, but he is after the family unit. You just wonder why that the family unit is under attack. It's because Satan knows what's about to happen. Listen, Satan knows what's about to go down, and he, and he knew that, and so he began to attack the first family. And ever since the attack on the first family, there's been shame and blame showing up ever, ever since. I mean, you don't believe me? Think about it. The, the first murder was in Adam's family. We're going to call him Adam's. I don't know his last name. Okay, Adam. In Adam's family. And you thought your family was crazy. But listen, listen, I'm here to, I'm here to L-U-K. Let me help the old folk let you know. Listen, it's in every 
family. It's in, it's in every family. Matter of fact, you find me one family that's not jacked up. Listen, you find me one family in the Bible that's not jacked up. Listen, I'd been preaching on Israel, and I'm preaching on Abraham. I mean, how jacked up was the father of Abraham that he got with Hagar and he had Ishmael? I've unpreached that sermon. I won't preach it to you again. I'm just saying, go down through the Bible. Look at Noah, who got drunk and incest, and Jacob and Esau, and Moses and his sisters, and David. David, whose songs were on the top of the charts for years. And David had a band, and he was the man, but he was a bad dad. Listen, he was. I didn't mean for all that to rhyme, but it worked pretty good. Listen, he's a, he, was, he was just a, he was a, terrible, a terrible dad. I mean, they tried to kill him. I mean, look at us it. all in your, your Bible. But then at the very end of the Old Testament, listen, right before God goes silent for 400 years, I want to show you something in the Scripture. The very last verse in Malachi, chapter number 4 and verse number 6. Very last verse. God's fixing to go silent for 400 years, and this is what God says. God says he will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will strike the land in total destruction. Now, I want you to see this because Malachi was making a prophecy. Malachi was saying God is going to turn the hearts. And listen, there's only one that really can do that because God knows the heart. Listen, he, he's the only one that truly knows our, our heart. I tell you that all the time. My wife don't really know my heart. She may think she knows my heart. You may think you know so much, but God knows our, God knows our heart. And, and, and he says in the scripture, Malachi was prophesying for God that God is going to turn the hearts. And listen, he said that because God knows that families are dysfunctional. Listen, because God knows that families has problems. Listen, we know that so goes the family, so goes the church, so goes the Y'all don't know it. So goes the family. So goes the church. Help me. So goes the nation. Y'all been to Sunday school? <laughs> so goes the church. So goes the family. So goes the church. And so goes the, the nation. And in Malachi, God has him to prophesy and says, I'm first going to turn the parents. Did you know that's the first thing you mentioned was, was the parents. Then he says, I'm going to have the children turn. You know why? Because God knows our greatest asset, watch this, pull up close, is our family. Listen, God knows one of our greatest assets is our family. And if you think about family units today, and I'm not going to get political, and I'm not going to get societal. Listen, if you just think of family units today, we've made a turn. Oh, we've made a, listen, we've made a turn. The Bible says that the parents are going to turn to the children, and the children are going to turn to the parents, but I believe we've made a turn. I believe we've made a, well, I got a couple people snapping me real quick. We've made a, okay, I'll get back to that later. We've made a turn. Y'all know I preach it. Look, watch this downward to our phones. Yeah, I, I was sitting in a restaurant just the other day. I was by myself and I was sitting there and a whole family was sitting there and nobody was talking to anybody and everybody had their head down on their phone. You know this time of the year, I normally give y'all a box and tell you to put your cell phones <laughs> in a box. I thought about it this year. Just leave them in the car. 
Right? When you go in and have, I'm just, let me just throw this out there. This is extra. It's free. It's not in my notes. Listen, leave them in the car. Nothing's going to happen in 40 minutes that you can't deal with 40 minutes later. But listen, we would rather see what's happening in somebody else's family than to sit and listen to what's happening in our own. Come on. Preach, Pastor. That's good preaching right there. Listen, I'm telling you, every single one of us are guilty of it. And Malachi prophesied that we're going to make a shift. And God is asking us to make a shift. He's asking us to shift the hearts of the parents and shift the hearts of the children. Listen, I'm telling you, and we got to make that, we got to make that shift. It's the last thing in the Old Testament that God talks about. I mean, I want you to see this. The last thing that God brings up in the Old Testament is about family. He concludes 929 chapters with the family. He concludes 23,145 verses which you need to turn to your family. Come on, I believe it's important to get an understanding of what God is trying to teach us in the Scripture today. God is wanting us to turn back to our families. I know it's not popular preaching. It's okay, but it's the truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth of... Okay, I have been teaching. I feel good. It sets you free. Watch this. Number one, I want you to see this. I don't know why I said number one. It's not really number one. Watch, you got to keep it real. That's what I like to do with my preaching, right? I like to keep it real. And by the way, that's R-E, did we get that? That's R-E-A-L, not R-E-E-L. I didn't say real, R-E-E-L. Somebody looking across, I real, so it's on your phone, right? <laughs> Hello? Uh, listen, our phones are so guilty at stopping us from the turn that God has prophesied in Malachi. I'm telling you, because of the R-E-E-L, let's just be honest. Listen, you know there are algorithms in your phone, and I, I taught computers last year. Listen, they know everything you like based on what you say, what you've seen, and what you've searched. Come on, you better hear this today. Listen, they know everything there is to know about you. And then you sit there and wonder why what you like keeps showing up on your reels. Listen, because your phone knows you better than you know you. Hello, come on, Pastor, that's good preaching. I'm just Listen, it's true. We'll sit there, and maybe you like comedians, and you, and you say, so look at comedians on your phone, and then all of a sudden that night, you're like, God, there's 10 new ones. I didn't even know, where did these people come from? I didn't even know that, that they existed. And guess what? Then you're distracted by 10 more that you all of a sudden click follow. Come on, I'm going to preach it while I'm here, and then I'm going to move on. Listen, I'm just afraid it's keeping us from making the right turn. I'm just trying to, number one, why it says keep it real. Listen, because most of what we post ain't real. <laughs> Ah, nah, most of it is not. Listen, what's real is what's in front of you. Listen, not what you project for everybody else to see. I'm just saying we're so guilty of it. I mean, listen, we, we love to create a, a post instead of creating a moment. Listen, instead of enjoying what you've got right in front of you. Uh, listen, I got a picture of my family. They're going to kill me, but watch this. This is probably one of my favorite pictures ever of my family, it is, it's like, oh, it, it hangs at our front door, but guess what, <laughs> y'all don't know, because every time I look at it, I think, you do not know the drama that went on in that picture, listen, you don't know the, the, the you don't, man, this little chick right here was crying, like you, if you look, you can see a little bit of pink around her eyes, uh, listen, because you didn't know what in the world was taking place, but when we got through with it, and we hang it at the front door, everybody watched, oh, that's a beautiful picture, and in my mind, I think, you just don't. No. <laughs> Listen, you just, you just don't know because, see, it's so easy to post and look like you're a good dad. Listen, it's so easy to look like a great mom on, on Insta. It's, just, it's easy, but watch this. Pink sang a song, and I know this is going to touch some of you wrong, but watch this. Pink sang a song. I want you to hear it just for a few moments. Dim down the lights. Watch this. Uh.
Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asia, Asia the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jeram, Jeram the father of Uriah, Uriah the father of Jatham, Jatham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amon, Amon the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile. And after the exile, Jeconiah was the father of Shetel, and Shetel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abinahad, Abinahad the father of Elikim, Elikim the father of Azar, Azar the father of Zodok, Zodok the father of Achim, Achim the father of Eliad, Eliad the father of Elzar, Elzar the father of Matin, Matin the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, whose husband was Mary. Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations from all of Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 from the exile to Messiah. Now this is a section of the Bible. You just got to read it fast. This is a section of the Bible that nobody ever reads. Listen, you don't ever see any devotions on baby daddy after baby daddy. You just, you don't see that. And most of you can't pronounce them, and I sure can't. So guess what? We go ahead and we just skip them. But I began looking at this, and there's so much power in this list. Listen, there's so much revelation, if you will. This genealogy tells us, watch this, more of who God is than probably all 66 books combined. All on this one page, and after I got to studying it, we may just be skipping the most powerful page in the entire book. Listen, because the, the whole Bible is really shows up on this page all in, all in one list. But here's what it shows us. It shows us God's love for family. Listen, it shows us God's love for, for family. He wants us to, to see the lineage of, of Jesus. Listen, and he showed us things that we probably... Conceal. Because you see this list of, of Matthew. And just give me a few moments because I've got to build a foundation just, just for a few moments. And I'm going to be, be done. But watch this. Each of the Gospels are written for a certain audience. And so when, when Matthew, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote the, the Gospels, they each had their audiences in mind. And, and Matthew just happens to be writing to a Jewish community. Because Matthew is trying to get the Jewish community to understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament that they have been reading. All of the Old Testament that has been prophesied, he's trying to get them to understand that Jesus is the Messiah. Matthew says, I'm even going to show you how it started. And I'm going to bring it all the way down so that you understand that Jesus is the one. And so Abraham is very clear to us that he is the descendant of Abraham and he's in the lineage of King David. And so, and so uh, Matthew knew his audience, and he knew why he was writing, and he knew what he was, what he was writing. Because, see, back in that day, you didn't explain who you were according to your line of work. You didn't explain who you were according to your line of credit. <laughs> Listen, you didn't explain who you were according to your line of accomplishments. No, no, no. You explained yourself through your family tree. And so that's what Matthew is doing in this scripture. Well, why, Pastor? Because family is a big deal. Listen, because family is a big deal to God. And so if you really understand this, the family that God gave you, gave you your identity. Listen, I know you're trying to identify by your job and your career and what you do, but no, no, it is your family that gives you your identity. It is through Christ, through the lineage of, of Abraham, that we get our identity. 
Yes, I thought about that. And I've been trying to figure out for a long time why when you go to a wedding, they always ask you if you want to sit on the bride or the groom. Y'all, y'all ever wonder why they ask that? I mean, why, why, why does it matter which side? Why do they divide us up? And I don't know. We, so we got a church where you can't really do that. That's the good thing, right? So we really don't ask that question. But you go to a traditional church and there's two aisles. They're going to ask you, you want to sit on the side of the bride or you want to sit on the side of the groom? They want you to identify with which side of the family that you are there. I really believe it's tri- because they're trying to give the bride and groom one last opportunity to take a look out into the audience <laughs> and realize that this row of cray-cray fiction to become my family. I'm just not, I don't know that to be true, but I would. Listen, because when you say I do, guess what? You take on all the cray-crays. <laughs> Listen, all the cray-crays in the family. Because we see it in this, we see it in this scripture that, that this is the lineage of of Jesus. This is the family. And so God didn't speak for 400 years. And the last thing he said was about families. And he, then he brought it up about families again. Listen, where's my single people at? I don't just encourage you. Go to all, if you're dating somebody, go to all the family reunions you can. <laughs> you, you listen, I'm telling you, because the people you with are going to be just like them. I'm just, <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, don't, don't trust if you don't want to. You better go to everyone because it's a picture of your future. And so it's funny about the genealogy of Jesus because Matthew and Luke are the only two writers that wrote about this in the Bible. They're the only two that listed out, but there was something really interesting because Matthew listed out 42 generations. You remember I read that 14, 14, 14? If you add that up, that's 42 generations. Then you go over to Luke and there was over 77 uh, generations that were that were listed. And there's some reasons why I could bore you to death and tell you why it's done, but I just said like this, Matthew left some peeps out. Matthew didn't name the whole family tree. Come on, y'all know y'all do it too. Don't leave me up here by myself. Uh, have you ever had somebody call you cousin and then you try and explain to everybody around you how you really ain't, now they really ain't my cousin. That's all right. Y'all think I'm joking. Y'all, you, it, here's the funny thing. The only people that ever shout across Walmart to you say, hey, cousin, is the ones you don't list in your genealogy. The one that you don't, you don't tell any. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Uh, listen, we all got those people in our family tree. Listen, if I told you to, to list out your family tree, there's some you probably accidentally leave off. Now, I'm not saying that Matthew accidentally left them off. I'm not saying that he, that he did it on purpose. But what we realize here is Matthew is listing this list because he is introducing Jesus Christ. Listen, he is introducing Jesus Christ. And we like to begin introducing Jesus Christ with verse 18 of that scripture. Yeah, that's what we like to do. See, we, we don't start in Matthew chapter number one because number one, you can't pronounce it, but number two, you are bored with So we go straight to verse number 18 and we say, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. You know why we do that? Because it's cute. It starts out cute. You know why we do it? It makes a really cute postcard picture, right? I mean, all of you probably getting some cards ready, going to send them out over the next few months, and and it's going to have Jesus and his little family on there. But guess what? There was more to that picture. Listen, there's more than just going to verse 18, and that's why Matthew said, now I'm going to list it all out, and I'm going to let you see the whole story behind who Jesus was. And Jesus was trying to let us know that guess what? He didn't have a perfect family either. Ooh, come on, that's good preaching, Pastor. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to show us in this that he didn't have a, a perfect family either. Listen, he's trying to let us know that there was some stuff going on in his family. If you don't believe me, look at the family tree. Look at the family tree that he gave. Matter of fact, it was interesting that Matthew did it because you normally don't list the women in the family tree, but he listed five women in the family tree. And yeah. kind of interesting, huh? Tamar, 
Y'all look it up for yourself. In Genesis chapter number 38, this chick was widowed twice by two brothers, ended up with a father-in-law. You read it. It's in Genesis chapter 48. But guess what? It's in your Bible, and it's also in the lineage of Jesus. Christ. Listen, you don't believe me? Look at the Bible. And Rahab, Rahab was a prostitute. She's listed in verse number five, in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Ruth was a pagan, not a believer of Jesus Christ. She was an outsider who hooked up with Naomi and then hooked up with Boaz, and bam, she was in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Then you have the Bible in verse number six. It does not mention a lady's name, but boy, it mentioned what took place. Watch what it said. David was the father of Solomon, and watch who had been the wife of Uriah. Ooh, scandalous. All of a sudden, don't even mention her name. Well, who was it? It was Bathsheba. Oh, you know the story of Bathsheba. Bathsheba, David went out on the rooftop, saw Bathsheba taking a bath, sent her Snapchat, told her to come over. You know the rest of the story. And we're talking about King David, the man that was after God's own heart, the king of Israel, adultery, murder, and it's all in the family tree of God. It's all in the lineage of, of Jesus. And Matthew said, I'm not leaving it out. I know it looks like something out of Hollywood. I know it looks like something from the National Enquirer or TMZ, but it's all in the family of God. Listen, he went on and listed the shame, the sin, the murder, the scandals, the prostitution the dirty, the grime. I'm telling you, you think you are jacked up? Look at the lineage of Jesus Christ. Look at it. Jesus said, look through my family and you'll see a messed up family. But guess what? He showed five women. Number five stands for grace. Oh, he showed five women that stands for grace. And what I love about the scriptures, when you hit verse number 16, that's when he introduces lady number five. Listen, watch it. I'll read it here. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Listen, when we get to verse number 16, and it says Jesus. Why it says, all the funk and dysfunction goes away. Come on, you got to see this today. Ronald, you come on. Listen, I'm telling you, number one, you don't get to pick your family. Number two, we are all dysfunctional family. But number three, because of Jesus, it can stop with you. Y'all better hear this in the house today. Listen, because of Jesus, it can stop with you. Somebody ought to go on and declare to Cray. Cray stops uh, with me. Listen, I don't care if your family is full of addicts. It can stop uh, with you. I don't care if your family's always been known for lying, cheating, and stealing. Guess what? It can stop uh, with you. You may have been in a family that's gone through divorce, but guess what? It can stop uh, with you. You may be in a family that has fear and unforgiveness and racism and poverty, and they broke all the time. Listen, it can stop it can stop with you. Yes, it ran in the tree of Jesus, but it stopped with him. Ooh, it stopped with him. Go on and stand to your feet. High five somebody. Say, it stops with me. Slap somebody this morning. Tell me, it stops. It stops with me. Go on, tell somebody next to you. It stops. Listen, it stops with me. It stops with me. Listen, not going to church may have ran in your family, but somebody needs to declare it's stopping with me. Listen, when did kids ever get an option in the first place? Mine are 19 and 22, and if you're under my roof, you're going to church. Matter of fact, if, you, if you're not on my roof, but you're dependent on my taxes, I don't care where you're at, you better be in church. My son's in church this morning, better be. Listen, because it's not an option. Joshua said, ask for me in my house. We're going to serve the Lord. When you pay your own way, you make your own decisions. But as long as I'm paying, come on, somebody, I'm trying to help us today. Listen, somebody's got to declare it stops with me, you may be in here today and you say, my mom always gave me an option whether I want to go to church. Well, it's time for you to rise up and say it's going to stop with me. It's stopping with, with me. Listen, don't tell me, well, I, I guess it calls my dad or, well, well Pastor, what you understand is, well, my mom, she, no, nah, it stops 
It stops with me. And listen, I think Jesus, I know Jesus. Listen, he chose a broken, messed up family tree so that he could relate to you and me. He did. He chose a broken, messed up family tree so he could relate to you and me. The Bible tells us we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with infirmities that we feel, but in all ways was tempted just as we, but without. But he never sinned. That verse is simply saying this. It's saying, guess what? Jesus knows everything you've gone through. Can I tell you, there's nothing you can bend at this altar today and start explaining to him that he hadn't already. He hadn't already dealt with. Listen, there, there is nothing. There is nothing that has come down through your family tree that he don't already. Listen, that he don't already know about it. And here's the last thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to open up the altar, and you can come down, and you can pray, or you can stay right in your seat. But watch this. Having kids ought to give you some type of grace for your own parents. Okay, look, I, I, felt, I felt to say this. I'm telling you, because you, you don't know the whole story. Listen, so maybe you need to declare today that bitterness stops with me. Because here's the deal, and I'm done. Watch this. God loves the family. Satan does not. Now, and I want you to get this. God loves the family. Satan does not. So which team are you playing on? Ooh, God sent me this way to tell you it's time to reconcile this Thanksgiving. Reconcile. Listen, whatever it is that you've been dealing with, that you can't get over, listen, it's working your mind and working your heart. Reconcile it. This Thanksgiving. Every about and every eye closed today. Listen, I just... Just want to know if God had me on key today. You say, you say, Pastor, that word was for me. Listen, you ain't got to explain your tree to me. Nothing, just, just that word. Don't just lift your hand. That word, just want to make sure I was on the right note. That word was for me. It's for me. It's for me. That word was, that word's for me. So today we're going to open up our altar. We're going to invite you to come. Listen, there is just something about bending the knee bowing a heart this does something to the spirit so we invite you to come today and pray listen I'm not I'm not making light of family issues and it, saying it's easy it's not it's hard but I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me so come and get your strength today you come